Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast. We're Jesse and Brooke, two therapists and friends, sharing our lived stories and creating an unscripted space for healing. We hope this podcast empowers our listeners to find freedom and bravery through examining the heart of life with curiosity and permission. While this isn't a substitute for therapy, we believe that you'll find healing, belonging, and your own invitation into becoming. Welcome back to our part two conversation on empowerment with Brianna Hawk. We hope that you enjoyed the last episode and were able to identify all of the beautiful takeaways. In this episode, we get into the nitty gritty and we talk a little bit more about how empowerment can show up in our lives and some really specific ways of finding that empowerment for ourselves. We hope you enjoy. It's also bringing to mind um, part of what happens clinically for me, um, and I imagine you both have experienced this as well, but I always tell clients from moment one, even in our consult, that um, because I come from an empowerment lens and they're usually seeking me out because of some form of disempowerment, um, that their voice throughout the process is really important. And that as much as I think people, and I'll include myself in this because I've accessed therapy as well, um, feel like you're supposed to automatically trust a therapist, right? And I think a lot of people come in and they do automatically trust a therapist. And so I talk a lot about like, not only do I want to say that it's okay if you're not feeling trust for me, but also that you shouldn't feel trust for me quite yet, right? Like maybe through my, um, if, if someone referred you or you really resonated with my website and got a sense for things, yes, there's a reason that we were brought together, but also part of developing any relationship is building trust. Mm. And that means that um, in the more extreme cases, I've seen a person's parts specifically that will flood them and are like testing me to see how I'll respond to certain things. Um, and, and I'll call that out in the moment and say, I can see that you're, um, some part of you is really struggling to trust me in this moment. Let's honor that. Um, what do you need right now? Do we need to stop? Does that part have something to say? Um, and I have seen client after client feel kind of jarred by that. Like, wait, I have this kind of icky feeling arising in my body and we're going to listen to it. (laughs) Um, And I think those are the moments where empowerment begins because they're realizing like, even in this context that is set aside to heal and I should be trustworthy as a therapist, that you have no reason to trust that implicitly. You have to listen to your body even here. Um, That's been one of the more powerful, I think, I guess I could even call it a technique <laughs> um, to invite into the space where people are practicing using their voice within the, the therapy session. Um, I think that example of digging your toes into the dirt and pushing away to the therapist is so profound. Yeah, I love that so much. It's that, again, a shift, right, from external authority to internal authority. 
even if the external authority in the room, the therapist who you want to trust and who is there to help you, it's still internal authority that's going to move you through that healing and, and coming to a place where you don't need that therapist, where, where you can do that without that external support. Yeah. We don't need resources and support. We do. But especially coming from high control spaces, have sought reassurance and support and authority outside of ourselves for so long that it can feel really uncomfortable, really, really uncomfortable to start to to listen to what our body, our intuition, our body is saying. And I think that's when um, bringing in somatic work and sensation and awareness of the body becomes so integral because um, it's hard to differentiate at first when you're in a chronic state of anxiety where your gut has a lot of sensation going on. When our intuition is also felt most deeply in our gut, it's hard to tell them apart, right? When do I know when I'm afraid um, based in a past experience and my anxiety? And when do I know that I'm having a a signal from my body that there's reason to be afraid right now. Um, And how do I feel? What does my body feel like when I'm in a grounded place in capital S self versus when I'm flooded by a part? Um, And that differentiation can be so subtle sometimes um, that there's a lot of work around, okay, let's pause right now. You just listen to this part and we've honored their voice. Notice what you're feeling in your body. And how does that feel different than three minutes ago when you were trying to push forward against its will? Um, mm-hmm. and those moments, I think, ground the, the work for each person. That's how I ground my work is to like recognize what my body is saying, because I think our bodies are, I don't know, like the expression of self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're our self's home. That's often I work with clients around body as home because it's if we can come to that place of what happens in here is um is our our experience, right? And this is the space we have control in, um, or at least deep awareness of that changes our experience outside of our home too, and who we let into our home or around our home or those kinds of things as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious for, for maybe for all of us, well, two things. I want to ask this question first, because it keeps coming up in my mind before we move to like some first steps of empowerment. This question I think is important for many of my clients, especially who have come from, um, come from high demand spaces, especially high demand religions, the word empowerment has a huge emotional charge to it. And so much so that it's even been equated to when women are empowered. And I think also the word liberated is kind of tied into that. When women are empowered or liberated, that means these things happen in our lives. Um, Divorce or relational ending, um, wild or chaotic behavior, you know, a complete transformation of identity in this way that is like feral almost. And mm-hmm. um, which I have no problem with a feral woman. But Severing of a relationship with God, right? That like that. You're also severing your relationship with any, with any higher power is part of that list of these are the things that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
like if I start down this road, this is the archetype I will become. Um, mm-hmm. How do the two of you, especially since this is this the specialty in the space that the two of you work in primarily, how do you hold that with clients? Yeah. Or do you throw That's- it out the window? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say I can start? Um, yeah, I think, I think I continuously invite clients back to self, um, and to, again, check in with the body and notice are those, if, if you're sensing, well, maybe if I do that, then I'm going to get a divorce and sever a relationship, um, to, to sink in and say, is that coming from a part of you? Is that coming from self? Let's listen to that and explore that um, because I think transformation does bring a lot of change. And I remember day one of grad school, one of the professors was like, hey, a lot of people say they have lots of turmoil in all of their relationships while they're going through a counseling program because you're learning so much and transforming in so many ways. And I remember feeling really afraid, like, oh my gosh, my relationship's going to fall apart and I'm not going to like my parents anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think when we uh, lean into that fear and we're continuing on in the journey in a part instead of in self, I think all kinds of chaos ensues. Um, but when we're in self, like self will always know. And I just remind my clients of that over and over again, of if yourself is meant to disconnect from some sense of source or higher power or disconnect from a relationship that's not serving you, she'll know. And also she'll know if there's a different way to navigate that or to reorient to that or to invite some external partner or relationship to um, join in and say, like, would you like to grow alongside me? Or are we going separate ways that it doesn't have to be isolation um, where it's like, this is happening in me and everything else is just going to fall where it does. It's like, no, actually empowerment means you have choices and you have the opportunity to communicate and you get to state what it is that you want and invite other people to join into that um, and opt in and consent to, to that or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that list to Jesse talks about not being able to trust self, right? That you're going to be out of control, that you're going to be feral, right? Um, and so it just is this, this perpetuation of this really unhealthy narrative that we're not trustworthy as women especially, but in general in those populations. But I think this goes back to the the beginning of our conversation about talking about the nuance that's here. Nothing is ever all good or all bad. There There are parts of our experience that we want to keep and hold and nourish and cultivate. And there are parts that we need to set aside and, and leave behind because they didn't serve us, don't serve us. And so the idea, like, I think sometimes in these spaces, we're just like, I just want to burn it all down, right? I want to, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm walking away from all of it. That's when chaos ensues because we have no anchor. Mm-hmm. So the it's, it's the anchoring of self and the titration of the process and understanding the nuance and understanding 
but there are good pieces here that are worth investigating and looking at. And, and that, you know, the other part of our conversation talking about shifts, there are shifts and with each shift, the capacity grows. In the we have this very small capacity for, for change. Um, and so when we think about if I, if I do this, if I empower myself, the future self, then all these things are going to fall apart. Well, that's because we're looking at it right now from this very limited capacity to be able to manage change. But as we let ourselves move through those shifts, the capacity grows and my future self my, my two years from now self, my two weeks from now self is going to be able to hold whatever comes in a way that feels congruent and aligned with my own sense of integrity, if I can lean into the process. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, something that's coming to my mind is uh, an idea that one of my mentors, Erin uh, Henderson, who is in the Springs, um, and his co-facilitator at the time for a social justice retreat, Dora Frias, they talked about this idea of power over versus power with. Um, And so I'll describe since we're on a podcast, uh, they start with power over is two fists stacked one on top of the other. Um, And that's what we see a lot around us in culture, right? Is the the CEO or the president or the, um, you know, I don't know, the 1%, (laughs) the people with the power, i.e. maybe wealth or decision-making power or political sway. Um, And that can trickle down into religious environments or um, very gender role-specific relationship styles where, you know, the man is the head of the house and there's power over other people. That when we're empowered, we shift to power with where your fists are side by side, meaning I know that my power is within me and your power is within you, and neither of us need, nor can we access the power of the other person, right? Like we all have enough power within ourselves. And so it goes from um, coercion and control and agenda and using other people to being powerful with one another. I think that when we fear empowerment, creating havoc and chaos in our life, is when we, instead of going from over to side by side, we want to flip the power, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have power over you. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, if I've been in this relationship with my partner and he was the head of the house, now I'm empowered and I don't resonate with that. Well, then I'm going to be the one in, in, in power in the house, right? And that's actually still disempowered. Because you're still not living from a place of self, nor are you honoring all the selves in the people around you. Um, but when we are empowered, there's there's less of a need to control anyone else because you're trusting, like, I've got me and you've got you. I, I love, love that. that. I'm going to use that a lot. <laughs> Even your hands together, Brie, to me looks like a heart when they're side by side. It reminds me of like an anatomical heart as opposed to like, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. So what are our, as we wrap up, what is maybe one first step? Like it's a baby step or a small shift 
that we want to offer our listeners that may, may move you towards empowerment? Um, I think it would be the idea of those, the eight C's of the self. So I like to tell people to experiment, right? Try something on. If you don't like it and it doesn't work for you, then you can go back to the way you've been doing it. And that's totally a great option. So my encouragement would be to do an experiment where you assume for a little while that anything um, going on in you, maybe specifically uh, inner voices that are highly critical, when those pop up, to offer yourself a differentiation of like, self doesn't sound like this, right? So a part of me must be flooding me. And what if instead of trying to cut it off, get rid of it, push it down, ignore it, what if I ask it what it's trying to let me know? Hmm. So if I have, um, I mean, earlier this week, I had a difficult case and I was flooded with (laughs) self-doubt and I was you know, really spiraling down, like, oh my gosh, do I know what I'm doing? Um, what what am I even doing here? How am I going to move forward? Um, and so to pause and notice, like, that's not what self sounds like. So some part of me is activated right now. This part is, is full of self-doubt. What are they trying to tell me? Well, they're trying to tell me that I need support, that maybe there's um, knowledge or information that's lacking that I don't have right now. And I need to reach out and ask for that instead of sit in isolation because I don't have it, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. that I have resources and that I can get what I need. Um, And those ideas are coming from self. And so I guess just inviting people to notice um, the things that you want to get rid of and see maybe if you can start a conversation with those things. That curiosity. Mm, yes. I love that. I I think my takeaway is um, pay attention to when your body feels physically powerful. So that's going to be different for everyone, right? Because we the capacity, the, the threshold is different for each one of us. But pay attention to when your body feels physically strong or powerful and just notice what does that feel like in my where do I feel that most when I feel like I've done something hard or challenging? So I guess physically and intellectually, right? We can look at it both ways because it's going to show up in our body. And then start noticing, even if it's just really little, when you feel that outside of that realm. When you feel that when you're having a conversation with someone, oh, that that feeling that I had in my chest when I did that hard thing, it's back. What's happening right now? So really noticing and spending a lot of time, not a lot, two minutes, right? Spend two minutes just sitting in what that feels like to feel strong. And it'll be easier to tap into in the places where you don't feel as capable of doing that. I think my... My takeaway is the idea of finding a home or a companion for your empowerment work. Um, And for me, that has looked like not comparing my empowerment or liberation to anybody else, but can I see in someone who loves me that they may hold space for this really well? And maybe even asking the question, this, this is 
I, I'm interested in doing this work and I'm also scared about how my life will change. Um, and, and maybe that's not a partner. Maybe that's a parent or a good friend or a therapist to say, I'm, I'm interested in this work, but I also need a really sacred place to allow it to unfold outside of myself while I do the work inside of myself um, so that someone can companion it with you. And that may actually even end up inviting them into something that they have been wanting as well. Um, and then that creates the magic that we were talking about earlier of doing this with and alongside. Yeah. When it feels so scary to start the work, because it is right. We don't want change. We want homeostasis. It's like the devil, you know, or the, the hell, you know, um, is not good, but it's comfortable because you know it. And the uncertainty of going into this work is so vast. And when your trauma is more acute, it's even bigger. And I think the magic of therapeutic spaces is that because there's um, your exchanging and paying for confidentiality, then no one else in your life has to know that you're even thinking about changing, right? Mm -hmm. You can experiment with change in privacy and decide if it's something you really want to do before being out there in the world, trying it on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a safe place to practice, right? It's a safe place to practice where you don't risk. If I say the wrong thing or if I do the wrong thing, and this, this that I appreciate or need or want or, or have to have is going to go away. That will come up. There's the part of you that will come up and say, if I say the wrong thing, the therapist is going to think X, Y, or Z, but that's a good place to experiment. Is that true? What is it like to lean in and actually have someone receive this and hear it? So yeah, I agree. It's a good spot to be. So Brie, as we've as we've talked today, I'm sure that our listeners are becoming deeply enchanted with you, like most that <laughs> you will. Um, where can they find you if this is, if they want you to be the one maybe that they are learning that trust with, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A, hawk, like the bird.com. Um, so that's a good place if you want to get directly in contact with me. I'm on Instagram, um, just B H counselor, um, I think is the backslash after Instagram.com. And uh yeah, those would be two primarily great places to get in touch with me. Perfect. We will link those in our episode description too. So if anyone wants to connect with Brie and she's got some beautiful content on her Instagram profile. Um, do you have you have pictures of your office on there too, right? I do. Yes. I recently posted that. So even go look at her beautiful space that she has lovingly and thoughtfully curated for her healing work too. We've loved having you, Brie. Oh, I've loved Thanks being so here. much for joining us. We'll see you all next time. Take care. We hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we love creating it. And we'd love to hear from you about your lived story. What are you examining and learning? Who are you becoming? Our podcast is sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. Following along with us on Instagram at Riverbend Therapy will allow you to engage more fully with the content of our episodes. There you'll find reflective questions, challenges, and community. If you appreciate this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform 
or better yet, share it with people you think might benefit from the work here. Mm-hmm.